0: What's your current outlook on the next, let's say short term, ten years? Just the
1: overall like global economy? In the next twenty to thirty years, I'm really excited about just digital currency, man. I see, you know, the next twenty to thirty years just everything getting digitized. I see NFTs being a very big role.
0: What should your average typical working class person like be doing with their financial habit? I think uh, a really
1: important thing they should be doing is like how does inflation affect the stock? When inflation peaks in the country, stocks... Can you talk gold and silver, precious metals? I mean, the silver and gold markets have been manipulated to the highest order by the super banks. (laughs)
0: What's going on everyone? Welcome to this guy's podcast and channel. I'm your host, Tony Massad. In this week's episode, we have a very special guest. We have Cam Warida. Cam is an economist, a stock trader, and a crypto trader. This guy is a financial expert, um, really smart guy, very good friend of mine. Cam, it's an honor for you to be on the show. Thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having me, Tony. I'm glad to be here.
0: So, so Kim, like, uh, tell me like, just, I want to hear about your background. how did you get into the financial business? Um, why did you choose to get, you know, become an economist?
1: Sure. Yeah. So it really all started back home, um, in the motherland. Um, you know, I spent the first 17 years of my life in Lebanon. Oh, Lebanon. I'm Lebanese. I spent, yeah, I spent the first, the 17 years of my life in Lebanon, I um, I think what made a big impact for me uh, over there was the, sc- the school I went to and the group of people I met. I, I, I had to meet a great, uh, remarkable group of people. Um, I met great mentors that really helped me, uh, guide me through um, what I wanted to do. So basically what happened is that I still remember, remember this day. Um, I was watching TV with my dad. And he tells me, hey, son, you know, what do you want to do when you want to grow up? And it's kind of like, you know, when you're kind of like in that age, when you're like 13, you don't really want to know what you want to do in your life. You're kind of like, hey, dad, I don't know. It's kind of like I'm lost. I want to play basketball I like basketball. So he goes on and tells me, hey, you know, like if you want to make money in the future, you know, you got this, this and that. If you like bio, if you like chem, you like physics, you like finance. So. I think at an early age, I really realized that I like economics and I like mathematics at a very young age. So that's what I told him. I told him, you know, the two subjects that I really enjoyed in school was econ and math. And then he was like, "Okay, if you like these two subjects, you got to go into finance. So that's what I really did. You know, my school, uh, which was private back home, it had like these programs. So when you reach freshman year, you get to choose if you want to go into like medical school uh, you get to uh, take some bio classes. You want to go into like uh, mechanical engineering. You take some physics and lab classes. You want to go into computer science. You take some lab and uh, C plus classes. So what I did is that starting freshman year in high school, I started taking econ and business classes. Mm. So at a very very young age, you know, I was learning this stuff, right? Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. You know, this was I'm talking to you. I was like 16 years old. Okay. So, you know, this is me in Lebanon enjoying my life, playing varsity basketball, met a, you know, met a great group of people honestly that came, you know, that followed me actually here in Michigan. You know, shout out to Jay, shout out to HM, you know, they know themselves if they're watching this podcast. Um, you know, yeah, just became 17, applied to applied to Michigan. Wayne gave me a scholarship, two years free dorm, so I think uh, that was the best option for me. Came here, did that, Uh, Continued finance. Then it really all started in 2017. I was in the UGL third floor. I don't know if you remember this. This was when... This was when... I don't know if you remember UGL third floor. I I I remember the
0: UGL, yeah. Undergraduate library.
1: Exactly. Exactly. That was the spot back then. So it was 2017, man. I just came from Lebanon. I met these group of people. Um, They're just talking about this... uh, Currency, this crypto digital currency back in 2017. This was when Bitcoin was speaking, right? And we we're sitting in like a group of table, right? And they were telling me, hey, Cam, you know, back then it was just basically like Coinbase and Binance that were really well-known exchanges that people were using. Coinbase was the easier one. Cam, yeah. I'm going to send you a link. I need you to create a profile because I get free Bitcoin.
0: <laughs>
1: so he, So he did this to... I kid you not the whole library. And I was like, "One, of, I was there, so I downloaded the app, downloaded Coinbase, got my free coins. He got his free coins. And then I just, it just, you know, the app just stayed on my phone the whole time. And I was just wondering, you know, what is this? And it just kept, you know, just in the back of my head, just thinking about it. Then there was this class, this management class, and I just thought, Hey, maybe I should just do this research. At a research paper, maybe I should do it about cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin. So that's when I really got
0: mm. started, you know,
1: getting deep into you know the industry. I started doing research. That's when I started, you know, that was my first investment. Actually, cryptos. What actually got me into stock trading? Um ah. Yep. Then after 2017, um, the next big uh, move was when we did with Law Science X. That was during the. Um, Crash, I think uh, it was uh, me, you, my brother, and it was my friend uh, in Houston, Texas. It was before people started this venture. I, I still have this, I still have the group chat till now, actually, the Discord.
0: Yeah, um, so yeah, for anyone listening, uh, Cam, so me, uh, Cam, and two other gentlemen, we started another channel. It was called Wealth Science X. And uh, if anyone knows, like, I've written a book on cryptocurrency, and I'm, I'm a big fan of crypto. Um I'll leave a link to the book in the description. Some of my views and opinions have changed for sure, like about Bitcoin now. Uh I, I used to think Bitcoin was like horrible. Now realizing I think it's definitely like for me at least the best option. But yeah, wealth science X was a financier channel on financial wisdom uh, trading we had like a discord it was a lot of fun it was a good learning experience it was a lot of
1: fun oh yeah and i think we peaked that what was it like 185 members and now i just checked the discord we're at we're we're at 124 we have six online um 121 offline so
0: i haven't posted oh, I- forever on that group
1: Well, Science X. You know that was actually a big learning experience for me. I mean, we did that. We we were doing Well Science X for for almost seven to eight months. Yeah, you know, uh, waking up 8am, sending uh, you know those pre market plans to all the members. It was it was a lot of fun, and I think that's what really escalated everything for me after Well Science X and after you know that first pre market that we all experienced together. I feel like that really. you know, put the foot, uh, put the foot on the gas on, you know, I really like this, uh, industry. I really want to do this for the rest of my life. And I just, you know, the rest was history. I just kept learning ever since then.
0: Yeah. I, I really like that cam. That's really inspiring. What would you say were some of the life-changing lessons or any lessons in general you learned from wealth science acts?
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, for a, for a trader, you know, that wants to get, wants to get successful at trading at the beginning, you're not going to be successful at the beginning. Um, you're going to lose a lot of money. You're going to learn a lot of lessons at the beginning. It's all about patience. And that's what I, I can't stress that enough. You know, it's not a, you know, get rich. It's not a Bitcoin plan where you get rich overnight. You know, it needs a lot of patience. It needs a lot of discipline. Um, It's also a lot of psychology, man. I I keep telling this to people, you know, finance is, you know, 50% of trading is, you know, psychological, you know, just controlling your emotions.
0: That's real. Uh, The, I read this in Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I think it was uh, Cash Flow Quadrant. And uh, I think, yeah, Robert said, the author said that a financial, like, crash is also an emotional crash. And even if you, like... Even if you like, you'll like see headlines, the headlines will literally affect, um, the market. And it's just like, okay, like what's happening is the economy getting, you know, is the stock market getting affected by actual company performance or is it like people's reactions to the news, the media or the whatever?
1: Exactly. And that's exactly to your point. The media drives the market. I mean, if you just look just there at the media the whole time and watch the media, the media is meant for you to create, you know. Uh, the fear, you know, for the retail traders, that's the, I mean, the, the whole media, you know, media does not make money without clicks. The whole point of the media is to make headlines, you know? So that's the role of the media. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Concerning. And yeah, like you said, um, trading in the short term, it can be a money loser. It can be a money winner, but you know, if you want to really, uh, decrease the risk in your portfolio the more you look long term the more the risk decreases so expect risk expect volatility um at the beginning of a trading career
0: yeah i'm, I'm with you i'm with you and like uh, i'll just speak like from my personal experience when we were doing like wealth science x um like cam was like the technical analysis expert he was the chart guy and if anyone like can you elaborate like tell us about Technical analysis, because that's a very tough skill to develop.
1: Yeah. So I have this book over here. Um, I bought this from Amazon, actually. This is the book. I don't know. This explains all like graphs, charting, all the candlesticks. So I really studied this book three times and I was taking notes. And every time I would see, you know, a pattern, um, I would just refer to the book a lot. So that's really where I started. You have to learn patterns, and you have to learn candlesticks. You have to learn volumes. You have to learn indicators. If you don't know the, yeah, you know, those are kind of like the language of a TA. If you don't know these, um, I don't know. It's gonna be very tough, uh, to put on a profitable trade. Yeah, and with any
0: skill, right? You have to, you have to, you know, re- like for engineering, like, you know, I didn't become an engineer and and boom, click of the fingers. It was studying all the fundamentals, reading all the textbooks and then taking that knowledge trying it out in the field gaining experience failing multiple times and then succeeding and then that you need the experience the time you got to put your time in somewhere right
1: yep yep exactly exactly and training is no different i mean you have to put the time you're going to lose at the beginning you have to learn i mean there's a there's a big learning curve I mean, but once you get past the learning curve, you control your emotions, you control your psychology, you control your trade positions. You know, when to cut your losses, when to add to your lo- when to add to your position. That's what—that's um, when you become, you know, really, really good at trading.
0: Once yeah. you
1: understand all these different aspects.
0: So, Cam, I'm really curious. What is your Cliff Notes condensed version of the state of Let's talk state of the current US economy and then if you could mm-hmm. give us the global economy as a whole what's your opinion sure. where you think things are heading let's talk if you could first elaborate US stock market US economy and then talk about the whole global economy as well
1: sure
0: and then if you sure, want to we'll get the real we- estate economy and just all the 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 whole nine yards
1: sure because i mean all those markets are interconnected and interwined together you know and i'm going to talk about this in a second um you know ever since COVID started we all we're, we're all hearing this notion you know the fed keeps printing money the fed keeps printing money you know there's inflation um and now you know what happened as of recent i don't know if you've seen the market job this week the market uh, is retesting the june lows it's been a really bloody week and mm-hmm. the reason why that's happening um, Tony is because you know a week ago inflation numbers came out and I don't know if you've noticed um, if you were filling up uh, at the gas pump gas peaked around a month and a half ago you know I don't know if you remember and it recently it was like five five peaked. over five bucks a gallon I remember five exactly. thirty or something exactly and as of recent you've, I don't know if you've noticed gas has came down a bit right yeah so everybody thought that inflation is uh, you know peaking that's what that's what that's the term that everybody was using inflation is peaking at the beginning inflation was transitory correct that's what the fed was using inflation was transitory and now the new notion was inflation was peaking okay what
0: does transitory um, mean
1: transitory means that basically it's not gonna affect the whole economy it basically means it's going to be short term it's not going to really like roll over to a very long-term effective inflation so it's basically very short term um, that's what they said at the beginning. Right. But then that didn't happen. And then they said, okay, inflation is speaking right now at the summer. So everybody thought, okay, inflation is speaking. That means since we're paying less, um, uh, for gas, that means inflation is going to go down. Then inflation numbers came out last week and it turns out that we actually, um, inflation is trending upwards month over month. So that really got everybody, you know, caught off guard, you know? You're like, you're sitting here, you're like, okay, I'm paying less in gas. How is inflation keep going up? It's because CPI, you know, consumer price index. The, what um, what indicator- is that? Could
0: you, could you define what that is?
1: Sure, yeah. Consumer price index is basically a basket of goods that the Fed uses to measure inflation. So they add oil, they add the oil market, they add real estate, they add food, um, uh, consumers, you know. They take a basket of goods and that's how what they use to measure inflation. It's not just um, the oil market. So when that number came out and it came out, you know, a month over month positive, it caught everybody by surprise. And then everybody was like, okay, if inflation is not going down, the Federal Reserve is going to have to act. And the Federal Reserve acts with two tools. It's basically um, interest rates and money supply, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, So everybody was like, okay, since inflation is not going down, we're expecting. That's what investors do. That's what they expect. It's all about planning. It's kind of like chess. You expect and then you plan accordingly. So what everybody was saying is that okay, since inflation is not going down, we expect the infl- we expect the Federal Reserve to be very hawkish next week. Okay, and this was you know this was la- this was this week. It happened this week. Then the Federal Reserve came out and they were very hawkish in their terms. They said that we're going to hike interest rates. You know da 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 da, and they were gonna- they said they were going to hike it seventy five basis points.
0: Hawkish, thats that, that term, what is, does that mean, like, could you explain what that term means?
1: Sure, yeah. Whenever somebody says that the Fed is hawkish, that means they, they're they basically getting aggressive with interest rates. That means they want to lower their balance sheets, they want to decrease the money supply, um, and they want to increase the interest rates. That That's what it means by being hawkish. And when people, and when the Federal Reserve inflates the interest rates, mortgages get expensive. Borrowing dollars gets expensive. So whoever had money borrowed um, is going to have to make higher payments. Let's say you had a payment, uh, a variable rate on a home loan that costs three percent. And now interest rates have gone up. You're going to pay double. Okay.
0: So, so if you're like the average, and just so everyone knows, this is not financial advice. Disc- disclaimer. So like, so the average, how that affects the average person. So say I had like a, I don't know, hundred K home, whatever. Now I have a, I don't have a fix. I have a variable. So now, when the Fed does that, that whatever they do to raise the interest rate, now my payment doubles. And, and let's say I'm operating on a fixed income. That's, that's really, that's brutal.
1: That's brutal. And (laughs) your, your home value goes down. Let's say your home value is uh, let's say half a mil and you want to put it on the market. Well, let's say interest rates have gone up. That means you have to lower your house price so you can get a buyer. So that's really what happens in the in the equity in the um, real estate market. I'm sorry. Um, you know, and um, if you really want to follow different markets, I always stress this enough. You got to look at Forex markets. You got to look at that market. You got to look at the stock market. You know, um, the Forex, Forex market, it's basically the currencies, man. Um, the Forex market has the most liquidity out of all markets. And because it has the most liquidity, it moves first. And you see when the money, when the money moves from forks, it kind of just spills into the other market, it spills into the debt market, it spills into the equity markets. So you got to follow the money uh, to really know where the investors are really, you know, putting their cash aside. So what happened this week, you saw really the dollar index spiking. You know, you saw the 10 year yield go up. Whenever you see the 10 year yield goes up, that means the bonds are selling off. When bonds sell off, it's basically, that's why yields go up. That's This is a very confusing term that people uh, sometimes have a hard time understanding. Uh, but it's basically when bonds become, um, hit the market, okay? And they become cheaper. The bond becomes cheaper. The Federal Reserve, uh, or actually the market has to offer a higher yield so they can attract buyers, okay? Okay. So what's, that's, Okay, so that's what's happening. You got 10-year uh, yields going up. That means everybody's selling their bonds. So the more supply of bonds there is out there, um, you know, they have to higher the yield so they can attract buyers. Um, so you got people selling bonds. You got people selling stocks. So you're kind of questioning, you're kind of asking yourself, okay, where's all that money going? And it's really sitting on the sidelines. Um, you got a lot of people uh, parking their cash on the sidelines, um, just waiting for the next move. Um, and I think we're not going to get this move anytime soon. I think it's going to become uh, 2023, I think mid 2023 at the end of 2023 until you see um, inflation um, start slowing down and the fed start uh, becoming less hawkish.
0: So for my understanding, how I understand that is so the fed has two tools and they can either hike interest rates um, or they can print money. And, too much inflation when when inflation is getting kind of out of control and super high they bump up the interest rate so that decreases the amount of borrowing happening in the economy how how does how does bar how does like the interest rate decrease inflation so like when you're borrowing money mm-hmm. how does that all how's that tied
1: yeah yeah so Let's say you go to the bank now, Tony, and you want to borrow a bunch of cash, right? And the bank tells you, okay, you want a million dollars. I'll get, you know, you have to pay me back in five years 1%. Okay. And what if, let's say you go six months later and you're like, okay, Tony, uh, that same one million, you got to pay now 6% on that. Would you take that?
0: It's, I mean, six, six, you know, 5%. Versus that's
1: a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. So that's really what's happening, man. So, got yeah, these interest rates going up and so nobody wants to borrow money anymore. So there's less money in the economy. So that's what's happening. You're just constricting the money supply by hiring the interest rates. When you decrease the interest rates, everybody gets happy. Everybody wants to buy homes with the cheap mortgages. Oh, Once you okay. hire the interest rates, houses get really expensive. People want to, you know, spend less.
0: Is... So is the... Is the, like, economy... Like how, how does the stock market now and like, let's say the whole mortgage, like how does inflation affect the stock market?
1: Right. So it's basically a stock market is an asset class. It's basically kind of like real estate. Um, basically like, just like any other asset class, when inflation peaks in the country, stocks go up with inflation, um. But, I mean, it's not always a rule where uh, stocks follow inflation, but, I mean, stocks is an asset class. When you saw stocks really uh, get overextended and really expensive um, last year, um, that's how you started, you know, inflation was getting really high. Stocks were getting, you know, in crazy PE multiples. That's when really stuff got starting to really get, you know, um, dicey. And that's when you saw the market peak in January
0: are there so like for for example i've seen that like okay like i own this home i've seen my home value explode with inflation and i've noticed that like my stocks have just been flat same with like for the roth ira my 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 trading portfolio all that's just been stagnant so I, I feel like inflation, it seems it, it like it explodes the value of some, maybe not the value. It makes some other assets worth more and then some mm-hmm. less. And then also if you could talk to that, um, comment on that. And then also sure. like, can you talk gold and silver precious metals? Cause I've noticed inflation's going up and then like silver and gold are like not really going up with it. It seems.
1: Hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, to the first point, um, with the silver and gold markets, I mean, the silver and gold markets have been manipulated to the highest order by the super banks. (laughs) I mean, that's a fact known on Wall Street. I mean, those markets have been manipulated for the highest order. Um, To the other point you mentioned about stocks, uh, that's a really good point that you mentioned. Why have stocks gone down? Uh, you know, home values have not gone down as much. They've actually, you know, stayed stable if not gone up. Because, you know, as an investor, would you rather sell your stock at the beginning or sell your home? I think any investor- Stock is easier. Exactly. So you would see all these investors, the first thing to become, you know, so they can decrease the risk from the market. The first thing they sell is cryptocurrencies. The second thing they sell is stocks. And then the last thing they're gonna sell which makes sense is probably gonna be their home because that's where they live and that's what they value the most right the physical so that's, the physical asset exactly exactly so that's kind of like wow. lagging indicators uh, that we take in economics
0: what's so like I've noticed like with like gold and silver just for the average person right what's your opinion on owning like Gold and silver, precious metals.
1: I, I love silver. I think it's the most undervalued asset on the planet. I think silver is going to get used uh, tremendously in the future with uh, batteries, EV batteries. Uh, also with uh, solar panels, I think silver is very, very undervalued. I think silver, uh, other than gold, has excre- extreme use cases, uh, which makes it more uh, higher utility, uh, higher demand. That's my take.
0: I've seen too, cause like being an engineer, someone in that, in the science field, it's used hardcore in a lot of, uh, like it's used in like medical devices, uh, medical tools. It's used in electric cars. It's got a lot of uses more than it's got more, um, economic uses like to create and manufacture stuff versus like gold. And I think at the time of this podcast, cause I do, I do own some silver and gold for anyone listening. I think it's like 20, 20 bucks an ounce of silver, mm-hmm. which is like the, the, I don't know. It was way more in the past, uh, but right now oh, it's, yeah. it's dirt cheap.
1: Yes. What's your, what do you I think own... of like
0: gold and, and, and that, and maybe some other precious metals?
1: Right. I mean, um, the one I follow the most is silver, to be honest, cause I own it. I own physical silver. Um, I own, uh, ounces. Um, I think it's very, very undervalued. Uh, I mean, uh, I I've, I've read this research not too long ago um, where it really, you know, like you said, it went through the details on the use cases uh, for silver. And I think once I discovered that and once I saw that it's also being used in these ion batteries and these solar panels, I think that really, you know, uh, lit a light bulb in my head. I was like, okay, whoa, if this is being used and this has utility more than gold and, you know, why wouldn't I own this? So I went on AppMax and that's when I made my first purchase in silver.
0: Yeah. I love AppMax. I, I, I per- yeah, I love AppMax. I personally been using it for years. It was the first place I, I picked up silver. Yeah. You pay a little bit high premium, but I mean, whatever. So like, I'll just right, share you this. Pay like, premium. You pay a premium. The reason why I like gold and silver is because for me personally, and I want your, your feedback on this is like, I look at like Venezuela. Venezuela's currency, uh, is like, it's, it's like worthless. So the people down there have actually started trading with like physical, um, you know, gold. I don't know if they've traded with silver. So like if the dollar just like, do you, you know, if the dollar, you know, flatlines, it craps out. Like what, what are you going to have as a means to exchange right. uh, good services?
1: You know, I think the dollars is always going to be the prettiest that, uh, you know, pretty spill on the table, um, always. Me because it's the world reserve currency. I don't think the dollar is ever going to go through, it through a period. I know people always used to say that you know the dollar is getting risky because of inflation and da Maybe it's going to crash in Venezuela, but I don't see this happening with the dollar because it's a world reserve currency and because uh, the U. S. has issued so much debt to outside countries. Um, it's kind of uh, especially a dynamic when you issue debt to outside countries. You basically control their currencies. So the U.S. does a really good job at doing this. It's basically part of their foreign policy. Um, I mean, you've seen the dollar this year gain so much strength, man. I mean, I don't see, I don't see, you know, the dollar, um, you know, not the number one. What? What? Could you, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. That's no, fine.
0: What could you define? What is the world reserve currency? What does that sure. mean?
1: Exactly? Sure. It's basically uh what the whole world bases their currency off of. So basically, let's say when you go to Japan or when you go to an outside country, they basically base their currency off the dollar. So it's basically um kind of like the, the what basically the whole the whole world basically views as um, you know the main currency. And and yeah, and that's never I- gonna change.
0: It's not going to ch- what? What can I ask you a question? How would that change? What event would have to happen for another country to have to be the world reserve?
1: War. war? I mean, the, the U.S. became the world reserve currency when they won World War II. Mm. So it's Basically, war. war and control. War and control.
0: Okay. Because that's how they they signed the
1: world reserve. Okay. Exactly. Then they signed the treaty. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and and like so if you go okay, so like my back
1: then. Oh go ahead. And back then, I don't know, I don't know if you remember the gold was backed by dollars, then President Nixon changed that. I don't know if you remember that exact date. Go ahead. It was it was I believe seventy six. If I recall.
0: Yep. So like, so like, so like, I'm my, my home, I'm, I was born here, but my, I go, I've gone to Palestine. It's where my family's from several times and you go to any store, any shop. And they're like, Oh, you know, you have dollars and your dollars are worth more than their currency. And I feel like, like the dollar is like that, that gold standard for like other currencies. And it's just like, even in Lebanon, you know, I have a lot of Lebanese friends and you know, the Lebanese lira I think $1 used to make like 1500 lira and like, I don't know the state of Lebanon now, it seems like if you have dollars, this is what I've heard from many people. If you have dollars in Lebanon right now, it's worth a lot of money. Could, could you talk oh, to yeah. that?
1: Sure. Yeah. It's basically what happened in Lebanon is basically, uh, the bank system failed. Um, when the bank system failed, it causes a lot of consumer uncertainty. That's the worst thing in any market is when the consumer, um, starts getting afraid and consumer sentiment starts to go down basically everybody starts asking themselves okay maybe this is just paper what's the real value of this lira and basically what happened to lebanon every they were giving these insane insane interest rates um with fixed years i mean you, you gotta like freeze your money for like two years to, to get like 11 percent apy or something kind of like stuff you you see in like the DeFi crypto space <laughs> yeah. so what happened So what happened is everybody was just locking their money up and it's not like Lebanon had any FDIC or, you know, insurance over the money that you deposit. And basically one day the bank's like, hey, we don't have your money. Uh, If you want to take it out, you just get a small portion of it. So mayhem. I mean everybody who started was just like... I mean, you had people put it, put all their life savings in banks in Lebanon and, you know, you wake up the second day and the bank tells you you can't have your money. So that's yeah. what really happened. Once that happens and the bank system fails, I mean, the government just has one job in printing money. Basically, they don't have any more dollars. So, that anything, so the only thing they can print is their own currency. So that causes inflation.
0: And then their own currency... Right. What what how does like the their own currency like have value? Is it backed by anything?
1: Oh no. Oh no. They just print it.
0: Yeah. So it's so, like monopoly money. There's it's not tied to like to gold or some metal or some resource.
1: No, and no currency is. I mean, the only one was that was really tied to was the the dollar and then Nixon uh removed that one, you know, Japan, he was having problems with Japan uh, back in the day. Um but no, no currency is tied to, that's why they call it fiat. It's basically fiat currency. And basically it's just only dependent on the government. Uh, it's basically, it's backed by the government that it supports. Once the government fails, the currency fails.
0: Yeah, that's tough. So let's say you're, you're a person and you're in that situation where your, your currency now is, is just worthless. Like, what do you do in that situation as this average family person you're trying to provide you need food you need shelter what do you do man
1: man a lot of people just had to go to you know, just go overseas move out I mean a lot of people had to recalibrate their lifestyle uh, it's really tough I mean it's kind of like the same thing that happened with Greece Venezuela it's just man I mean people people who used to get paid especially in lira and not dollars back home um, got the most hurt. Cause I mean, the dollar is gonna, you know, it will keep its value. but I mean, the, the volatile one was the lira. So if you were making, you know, lira and let's say that lira was once worth, uh, you know, 1500 and now it's worth 30, you just got a big haircut on your salary.
0: Brutal. I know it's Brutal. tough. I always, I always feel bad for the families. You know, how many people are just, just really struggling, you know, just to eat, it, it's brutal. really tough. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Cam, I'm really curious the national debt, right? I think there's like, it's like us I check it once yeah. every while and I see it's like, it, it's just in it's literally insane. What what is the, like, what happens if we default on that national debt and like, do we need to pay that off at some point? What's the consequence of just letting that pile up? Is that something we right. should worry about as an average person?
1: I mean, I think that is good uh, as long as you can control it. I mean, that doesn't become good once you, you know, you're over leveraged, you can't control it. That is good. As long as, you know, you have control of it, you know, you can pay it. Um, that's all fine. I think uh, the country that's really having problems with their debt is China. um, i don't know if you've heard their banks uh, part of their banks shut down uh, it's getting really brutal over there especially with their real estate uh the real estate market so you know that i don't i don't really focus on you know the, the us that really much uh, and it's because you know uh tied back to the conversation we had about uh, you know the us being the reserve currency and that's you know a big part of why i don't worry
0: Okay. So, for the average person, it's not worrisome seeing that number just balloon over time.
1: No, no, of course not. It's been, I mean, it's the US is the reserve currency. Um I wanted to be, I want to be too worried.
0: Okay. Very interesting. And really curious. Um like do you see like a market crash or a market correction coming? Or do you think that's going to yes. come? Cuz I, I see so many like so much stuff on the news, oh, there's a correction coming. There's a correction coming. No one has any idea like when. They just give you like a range. Well, like what's your exactly. what's your opinion?
1: I think um, I think in my in my opinion. I mean, I never followed the news. I mean, the the second you follow the news and you open Bloomberg or CNBC, that's I mean that's a recipe for failure. Um, as a technical analyst or economist, because I mean, the news tells you what you want to hear. They don't tell you the; tr- they never tell you the truth. They always tell you what you want to hear. Um, so, starting with that, um, so what the news tells me um, is basically um, they're always in the notion that we're going to get this crash, right? We're going to get this bear market, we're going to get this big correction. Um, especially if you if you followed recently, you got this uh, Carl Icahn. From all, so you say that, you know, it's gonna be really, really, we're gonna have like a depression. Um, when everybody starts getting bearish, that's usually when I take the opposite side of the trade. You um, know, when everybody starts getting crowded on the bear side of the trade, I usually take the opposite side. Doesn't mean I see, you know, the market rallying back to all time high, but I mean, we're probably gonna get a brief rally here uh, into the New Year's, then come New Year's, or uh, kind of like December, Christmas, uh, uh, you know. We're going to see, you know, come January, we're going to see the market start rolling back over, make new lows. I think, you know, the S&P wants to retest the 3000 level.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, I hear a lot of stuff. Like, how do you yourself evaluate the market? Obviously, you just mentioned you don't look at the news. What, what is your, what's your go to, Uh, how do you, how do you do that analysis in your head, would you say?
1: I look at uh, technical analysis first and foremost. Uh, I mean, if you look at the graph uh, for the S&P, it's literally at the lows. Um, And then we've literally been, you know, we've been trying to retest this June lows for almost a month now, um, because we've been, you know, on dry volume. So basically, first of all, I look at technical analysis. The second thing, like I mentioned, I look at the Forex markets and the debt market. You know, whenever I see the yield start spiking, Tony, uh, and we get these ten mm-hmm. year yields going for you know crazy. you know it's not really the um you know this the exact point uh, that the ten year old goes to. it's the pace at which it rises whenever the ten year yield go- starts rising at a very fast pace, that means the bond there's instability in the bond market. that means bonds are selling off in a rapid pace. When investors see that bonds are selling off, which is basically a, a risk a, a risk uh, you know. Uh, riskless uh, investment than stocks, um, investors start getting worried, and they they start asking, okay, why is everybody selling their bonds, right? Why are, you know why are these ten year yields going for you know these stupid amount of you know uh, spreads? Um, it's basically because retailers are selling their bonds. So that's what basically investors start worrying. It's basically it's basically it starts in the forex market, spills to the that market, then it ends in the stock market. With, of course,
0: DA. Could you define what a bond is exactly?
1: Sure. Um, It's basically a bond. Let's say you want to buy a treasury bond from the U.S. government. It's basically uh, you're buying uh, government debt, basically. When you buy government debt, it's basically uh, the safest investment you can buy as an investor because, I mean, if the government defaults, we have you know bigger issues at hand if the government defaults so basically when you're buying a bond you're buying a, you're buying uh government debt that's the best way to explain it and basically when you buy government debt they basically give you interest for buying it for buying the bond
0: ah uh, okay so so that's that's very interesting that's that's some those are some so those are some of the methods you use to kind of do your, evaluate the market, the current outlook of it. In your opinion, right? We, have if you look at like the market, the stock market S&P 500 in the last, I don't know, 50 years, do you think we're going to, do you think the American economy, um, the S&P 500, do you think it's going to continue to grow at that same rate? The, the average 10% year over year as it always um, has?
1: I think so. I think so and i, I think the more uh in the past two years there's more liquidity in the market uh and whenever there's more liquidity in the market market gets more efficient you know uh which is very 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 good i mean we think that I mean, if you, this is like econo- economics 101 uh, market efficiency it's basically um it's basically also tied to technical analysis the more uh markets follow technical analysis the more efficient they are that's why uh uh, Forex traders, they're really, really, really good at technical analysis because they're the most efficient markets with the highest liquidity.
0: Wow. And a Forex trader, what what does a Forex trader do exactly?
1: It's, a Forex trader is strictly, I mean, I have a lot of friends in the Forex field overseas. They strictly do TA, man, and like indicators. They don't uh, watch news. They don't open news. They don't trade events um they they trade pure technical analysis uh and it's because their markets are really efficient man there's a lot of people um there's a lot of liquidity in that market that's why in cryptos it's it's the least liquid market it's it it follow it's less ta it's more i don't know if you've noticed with the crypto market it's more like these parabolic moves um and it's less ta because it's 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 you know there's less liquidity in the market
0: can you talk to us about the crypto market? So, if you could define, like, you know, what is cryptocurrency, and what do you think of cryptocurrency um, and its use? You...
1: I think for the longest time, cryptos have been really, uh, you know, uh, a controversial asset class that many have been confused. I mean, I think for the for, at the beginning, it was like the digital dollar. Um, then it was, I think digital gold. And then it, the notion was like, Hey, it's, it's a hedge against inflation, right? In my humble opinion, I think crypto is just, um, another risky asset class. You know, let's say you got institutions, they want to get risky. They'll buy Bitcoin. And let's say they want to include some risk in the portfolio. They'll just buy Bitcoin. You know, I think it's just that risky, you know, that risky play, that risky asset that investors really, really enjoy. Uh, And and we've seen, I mean, as of late, cryptos have been following the market. Market has been going down. Cryptos have been following. So, you know, we'll see how that relationship goes on on the upside. But I'm really interested to see that.
0: Do you think cryptocurrency has like real world utility? Like does it for the average working class person?
1: Of course, of course. I mean, um, basically, Bitcoin or Ether—it's basically a database. It's basically a public ledger. That's basically what it is. Whenever I want, I want to explain it to someone in basically simple, simple terms. It's basically a public ledger where, um, it's basically very transparent, and all the transactions are, you know, basically seen to the public. And I don't know if you've—I don't know, um if you read that story a couple months ago these two individuals they were a couple that stole i think it was 30 billion in bitcoin from an exchange and then i heard about that they got caught exactly exactly and they got caught um and then what i was going through my mind is like i mean good luck doing that with cash you know there's impossible in retrieving you know 30 billion in cash because you can't track it because you can track bitcoin because, you know, there's public ledgers. because, you know, it's traceable. You can track these and basically when you track, you can, you know, you can track these transactions. It's basically more control.
0: Mm, okay.
1: So there's like, it's very hard. It's very hard to track. That's why, you know, I feel like they want to, you know, start getting away from cash and making everything digitalized.
0: Yeah. And it seems like it really is. I mean, just, you know, me and my wife were average working class people we don't even go to the bank it's just all we manage it through the app i get direct deposit she pays all the bills online all auto uh, we don't we don't even write checks anymore we don't even use cash i i carry cash for literally like like when i go down to like detroit and i got to pay the parking attendant like you know 5 10, 20 bucks whatever whatever the hell it is to to park and that's literally the only reason or like to tip the waiter or, or whatever exactly
1: exactly same thing with me
0: so exactly very curious. Is. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Cam.
1: Um, so like, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Keep going. Keep when going. you were sa- when you were said that, you know, you weren't carrying any dollars. I mean, I feel like that's, I mean, I'm exactly the same way. I don't carry any dollars with me. Um, I try to keep the least amount of dollars with me. Um, just, you know, when I want to use it to, you know, tip t- t- when I'm in a restaurant, that's the only case where um, I have dollars on me. So do you,
0: so for cryptocurrency, right, what benefit would you say, is it, do you think it's good to kind of, for people to adopt that? Like, when do you see like the mass adoption happening Mm -hmm. or do you think it will happen or do you think crypto is just like a fad, like all the other stuff has been in the past and it's just going to go away? Do you think it's here to
1: stay? I think it is. And I think the adoption is going to come from the uh, um, big tech companies, um, you know, uh, the Facebooks, the Googles, the Apples. I mean, once they implement anything, I feel like, you know, the other, uh, you know, other companies will just follow suit. Um, but once, I mean, the big dogs, the big guys implement crypto and you've already seen, you know, Twitter do it. Uh, if you've already seen Facebook start getting involved with NFTs and the metaverse. Um, and I really read an article today is with the Apple getting involved with Ethereum actually. So once all these big, uh, companies start getting involved involved in this space, um, it's just going to snowball into other, you know, industries. It's going to snowball into the medical industry. It's going to snowball into, you no, know, uh, the automotive industry. It's already snowballing into the automotive. industry. you've got BMW, you have partnership with Polygon. Um,
0: yeah, you can buy a Lamborghini in Bitcoin. I, even on AppMex, there's an option I see you can buy uh, uh, gold and silver, whatever, in Bitcoin.
1: Yep, exactly. And really, where it all started, Tony, was in South Africa and Switzerland. That's when, you know, when I did the research at Wayne State, those were the really two first companies that first had uh, Bitcoin ATMs and then when i did research this was way before it's like snowballed here uh, and when, when i really read this and i saw pictures of like these random atms in switzerland bitcoin and i was like i mean, I mean everybody knows switzerland is a is a big uh, banking uh, banking uh, region so when i saw that i was like it's gonna snowball to the us sooner or later and that's when i started really getting involved and that's when i made my first first investment in 2017. Um, which really, you know, paid off last year.
0: Wow. So like, what do you, what do you think of like, um, I know the fed, I, they, they mentioned something about like, uh, or I don't know if it was the fed, but I saw like a central bank digital currency. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, that's going to be their, basically their competitor to Bitcoin and all the other currencies, that's basically what I was just saying with control. I mean, the Fed wants to implement this because they want basically want control. They want they want to see all the transactions. They want transparency, and that's what it all is. Uh, It's about you know, with cash, it's way harder to track. It's way harder to control. Um, But when everything is digital, man, it's super easy. You know that because you're in the data and mechanical engineering space.
0: Yeah, it's. uh, I I watched a documentary and. And one person in this documentary asked like, you know, is there more, was there more control in past societies than there was today? And there's actually far, far more control in today's societies and governments than in the past. Cause everything is digital. Everything is easier. Everyone has this and, and it's way easier to track everything. And I've seen something like with China So China has this, uh, I don't know. They, they have like, they have like, you know, everything's digital. They have something called like a a social, like a social score. And if, and if you have a horrible social score, like you can't, you know, buy certain things, you can't go certain places. This is what I've heard on documentaries. Someone on the podcast do a fact check. I mean, that to me would be kind of a tyrannical dystopian society. I I wouldn't want that. Social score credit score here we have yeah so I hope I hope we don't go that far we'll see what happens what's your current outlook on the next say 10 years and let's say let's say long let's say short term 10 years long term okay. 50 years of just the overall like global economy into where you think it's going to head in terms of like finances, you know, money ruling uh ruling countries, world reserve right. currency, cryptocurrencies. Right.
1: Um look man, I see uh the first uh the next 10 years uh I see the the next 10 years being, you know, a slow, you know, cycle where we you know we try to get out of this bear market um and try to come back, you know, into a bull market. Um, that's where I see the next 10 years being just, you know, the market being uh, uh, wobbly, being all over the place. Um, I don't really see anything um, too exciting, honestly, in the next 10 years. Maybe um, that's just me. Uh, in the next 20 to 30 years, um, I'm, really, I'm, really, uh, I'm really excited about just digital currency, man. Honestly, just I see, you know, the next 20 to 30 years, just everything getting digitized. Um, I see NFTs being a very big role, playing also a big role in the market. Um, I feel like in 20, 30 years, that industry, the cryptocurrency industry, uh, will have matured more, will have more liquidity. Uh, investors will, ha- will become more educated about it. Uh, we'll have more uh, rules, regulations about it from the Federal Reserve and the SEC. Uh, and that's what it's mainly what the industry is waiting for. It's more regulation and more rules from the SEC because now, it's kind of like, you know, the Wild West and the cryptocurrencies where you have these ruffles, yeah. you have people losing a lot of money. You know, Tony? So the big money is scared. You know, the whales are scared. You got, you know, all these just retail traders buying buying these stuff. But, you know, to get that big move where it's kind of like where when junk bonds got introduced and they got regulators, and when they got regulators, junk bonds went through the roof. The same thing is going to happen with cryptos. The moment they get regulated, Bitcoin is going to go through the roof because everybody's going to look at it as another investment.
0: Wow. So you, do you think, so you think cryptocurrencies are going to take off like, you know, the main ones? 20, 30
1: years. 20,
0: 30 years. 20, 30 years, definitely. Long-term, long, long long-term. We're still at the beginning. We're at the baby stages of this.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a baby industry. It's still, you know, in in the, in the early stages of its, you know, developer. It's basically still getting developed as an industry. You know, you got to be patient with this stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because for the past thousands and thousands of years, we've used like, you know, we've used the traditional forms of, of like money finances and, you know, to make a radical, like, I feel like cryptocurrency is a very radical change. Um, But I feel like the laws of finance, do the laws of finance still apply?
1: They do. They do, Tony, uh, especially when you see it with Bitcoin, because it's, you know, limited. Uh, it's a limited quantity. Um, you know, it's easily, you know, tr- you can easily trade it between one another. It's pretty fast. Uh, it's traceable. Uh, it does, actually. It really does. But you just need to see the, the utility, which I think the Ethereum is going to bring to space. Once you see, you know, the real utility, uh, that's when, you know, you get, you know, the mainstream adoption to the industry. Once you see that utility kick in.
0: Yeah. All right, so Cam, just a couple last questions for you. For anyone under the age of 30, right, typical working people, and they they really want to build wealth, they want to get ahead, they want to provide um, for their future family, they want to they want to have money for retirement, generational wealth. What should what do you think? And again, disclaimer this is not financial advice, this is just information. So you whoever's listening, you can take this and do whatever the hell it is that you want. What should your average typical working class person like be doing with their financial habits and their financial health?
1: I think uh, a really important thing they should be doing is budgeting their finances. Um, I think everybody needs to, you know, get with their, you know, spouse or whoever they live with and really discuss in depth, you know, their finances and what they're really spending most of their money on on a monthly basis, what they're spending their money on on a yearly basis, what's priority, what's not. Um, I think also another thing that's really helped me personally is saving money at a very young age. So I was working the minute I um, came here. Um, I was literally working all summer. Um, and internships during, you know, when I was in school. So I saved a lot of money, um, quite a few. And then when the market crashed, um, I had that opportunity. So, you know, to the people who are watching this, who are younger, um, who are just, you know, let's say in high school, I would say, you know, start saving at a young age because that's gonna allow you to invest at a young age. And once you're investing at a young age and you allow your investments to accrue and compound interest annually, um, you know, that's, that's a game changer. And what, and it's assets- really about time and patience, right? And it's really about time and patience. You know, the market really rewards whoever's patient. I mean, if you're not patient, I mean, yeah, this is not the industry for you.
0: Yeah. And what assets would you say, like for younger people under the age of 30, high school, like what asset classes, like, do you think are very good for those people? Cause usually in those ages, you don't have too much money, um, you don't have a lot of wealth yet. What do you think is, is you should like think, checklist, you know, gold and silver, yeah. crypto,
1: stocks, real estate? Really, I think a really important thing that I have myself is a Roth IRA. Um, so basically a Roth IRA uh, allows you uh, to invest 6000 per year. Um, that's your limit. And it's only allowed for the people who make less than 124 k Year. And this is basically the reason why they made these rules is basically it's made for the middle class, exactly like you said, the people under the age of 30 um, who are looking for, you know, that investment. And I feel like Roth IRA is a very good investment because you're going to be contributing uh, post tax. And then when you're at 59 and a half, when you retire, you're going to be, you know, withdrawing that money uh, tax free with the gains. So I think that's, you know, a no brainer, you know, getting a Roth IRA and maxing it out at a very young age um, for stocks and with cryptocurrencies. And I mean, not more than 10% of your investments in cryptocurrencies, that's basically going to be your risky play. Um, you know, but that's what I would do. And that's what I have done, honestly. Um, and it's been working really well, to be honest with me.
0: Awesome. Yeah. That's really good insight. Really good knowledge. Uh, Cam, do you have any books that you would recommend that have really made your life and influenced you for the better, would you say? You, you, you showed the technical analysis book. I'm going to leave a link to the description. Uh, to that yeah. in the description.
1: Um, there is this other book Buffett himself um, he basically goes through you know what he looks for and, and, and a balance sheet you know he goes through the balance sheet and it's basically very very detailed I mean if you know a simple accounting or simple finance you're not going to find this book hard um, it basically it tells you what Warren Buffett finds in you know his investments and basically what he looks for basically the mo- big moats um, very very interesting book I mean it, this is more for you know uh, fundamental uh, analysts really like to dig into the numbers behind companies, um, I would recommend that one.
0: Wow. Okay. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Cam, final question for you, and then anything else you have you want to get out there, feel free. If you could talk to, you're not that old, uh, you know, but if you could talk to your younger self, say, 18, let's say 15-year-old Cam, what would you tell your younger self? And you only had five minutes.
1: Man, honestly, just keep pushing through the times where you think that, you know, you're going to give up or you think, you know, like this is not for you or you feel like doubt or you feel fear. Um, just keep pushing it through those times because, I mean, once you feel um, once you get the feel of, you know, uncertainty or fear, that's really when you got to push through it. Um, and I think that mentality has really helped me a lot and I've turned, you know, whatever that's caused fear in my life, let's say public speaking, um, you know, I turn it into motivation. I kind of turn it into a challenge, you know, and I kind of challenge it. Um, and I think that's really helped me a lot, you know, be patient, be charitable, um, love each other, care for each other always. Um, that's it, man. Yeah. Just keep, take care of your family, take care of your friends because without them, you know, I want to be you know the way i'm at of course not um you know shout out to jay shout out to my cousin Shaq. you know when i came here he's the one that you know uh, really helped me uh you know set on the road over here so you know big props to those people um that's it man just take care of your family uh, take care of your take care of yourself um and keep hustling
0: keep hustling uh yep. I, that, that's that's really good insight Thanks, Cam, and I'm really excited to see you in the future because you're still so young and like you're 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 going to be in your prime for a long time. I'm excited to see where you are in 10, 20, you 30 so years. Much, it's like I, it's I already exciting. know of all my friends, you're you're going to be one of the ones who's literally just has m- just and the highest net worth, like just crazy, Thank crazy so levels. Much.
1: I already Thank see so it much. now. I
0: yeah, it's like you know. I see with a lot of my friends, just like okay, I can tell you can you see the early signs. And um, some of my most successful friends, they're in the finance business. It's just like the world runs everything. You know, everyone uses money and touches money. So it's just mm-hmm. like studying, like you know, the the whole money system, financial stuff. Really, really puts you ahead of the game. And you're so young, and I'm excited for you.
1: I love it, man. It's my passion. I just love talking about this stuff. I can go on talk to talk to you about this stuff for another hour. I love it,
0: (laughs) bro. Do you have any like last comments, remarks you want to get out there?
1: Just, you know, uh, you know, keep investing for whoever really, you know, wants, you know, wants change financially, uh, especially later on. Um, If you want to take care of your financial uh, well-being, I think a very, very good idea would be investing at a very young age. And just letting your, even if it's, you know, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, you know, whatever that amount is, even if it's an acorns account, you know, where you contribute, you know, pennies, just anything, uh, which gets you involved because trust me later on, um, you're going to wish you invested more money at a younger age.
0: Yeah. Get that compound, uh, that compounded, uh, growth.
1: 100%.
0: Cam? Like it's been awesome to have you, brother. Like a you know, your friend your brother, um, it's great. I hope everyone enjoyed that. Cam, thanks so much, man. And we'll uh, we'll see Thank you guys. Thank you so next much for time.
1: having me. Thank you so much for having me, man.